0: Freight Efficiency with NACFI's Mike Roth & Friends. Here in episode 32, I'm joined by Gary Gassoin. He's president and chairman of Silver Eagle Manufacturing, where we talk about his role in founding NACFI, his family's involvement as an early innovator in the trucking industry, and the importance of knowing what you are and are not capable of doing. We also explore the opportunities for improved freight efficiency with doubles and triples the importance of doing things that make economic sense, and we close where we discuss Silver Eagle's last mile delivery vehicle. It's based off an electric bike. Today we have joining us Gary Gasoin. He's the president and chairman at Silver Eagle Manufacturing Company. Thanks for joining us today, Gary. Yeah,
1: Mike, thank you for having me. How did we become friends? Do you you remember the moment uh, we met? It was um, in Denver, this is really, Fun Hotel, The Curtis, and it was a great place to be creative because the hotel was just created. Rocky Mountain Institute really understood this, and they brought a lot of people together, and I was actually brought in because we were a converter dolly manufacturer.
0: You then joined the first NACFI Board of Directors. So um, how did the idea for NACFI uh, come about in that workshop?
1: So Amy Lovins, really smart guy, is the founder of, our co-founder of RMI. And they wanted to start uh, freight efficiency. And they, they so they had this transformational idea. How do you transform trucking to be more freight uh, fuel efficient? And matter of fact, fuel efficiency was a, a big subject versus fu- fuel economy, because people like Frito-Lay are light loads and they cube out, right? And then other people that run heavy. So we finally got around, that's where we really built up the word efficiency instead of economy. but people were having a hard time adopting anything. We were doing aerodynamic devices and it was kind of viewed as snake oil and there was some, some snake oil out there. And, and Andrew Smith from AT Dynamics was really frustrated. He was used to a faster moving pace and he'd invested in this company and bought the rights. And so it was clear that people uh, resisted change, trucking very, trucking changes so much faster now, but resisted change because it's a very competitive industry and low margins. So the the issue came around to, how do you speed up adoption of things? And it kind of boiled down to trust. And so we came up with this idea that we needed a trusted source. And I I compared it to Consumer Reports. You know, Consumer Reports reports on something, I think most of us kind of believe it. And we said, how could we become consumer reports like for the trucking industry? And from that, um, RMI was generous enough to help get us started and Hiroko, who of course you know, um, really helped rope it together and pulled us interested parties who wanted to move forward on it and before the year was up, that was um, 2009, we'd started an organization.
0: Tell us about yourself and you know the start of, of Silver Eagle I think um, you know uh, y- you have a long history in trucking even your father if I remember right but t- take us through just sure. how did how did this career of yours start and um, and then uh, take us take us all the way up to you know what really Silver Eagle does even today
1: okay yeah so I, I was born into a trucking family and interestingly enough my mother's father was railroad. He was a railroad engineer. And Now I live near tracks where he used to run. But but anyway, so dad uh, grew up in Idaho and was very inventive, uh, very mechanical. And even at age 14, he would invented a new clutch for the farm tractor. And engineers from General Motors came out to Idaho near Boise. It was Tampa, Idaho, um, to see what this kid had done. And so dad decided engineering was a good path for him. So he was going to school in Idaho and working in a truck dealership and it was the depression and the truck dealership went bankrupt. And for back wages, they gave dad an old truck and it was a Rio Speedwagon. So when you hear of REO Speedwagon, it's really named after an old truck. (laughs) So he started hauling honey from Idaho down to California and peddle it. Dad was pretty charismatic and he'd buy California produce, take it back to Idaho. And of course, roads were really Horrible in that, you know, 2930 era. And so eventually he had another um, driver and the guy wrecked it. And dad thought this is just too much work. And he heard there's need to haul petroleum out here in the Portland, Oregon area. So he borrowed money from his future father-in-law and came out here to, to uh, Portland and opened up an Oregon corporation. And he named it Silver Eagle in 1933. And the reason he chose Silver Eagle is because that was the name he'd given the Rio Speedwagon. So it was petroleum hauling and it was straight truck and full trailer. Full trailer has a permanent fifth wheel on the front axle, not like a okay. uh, semi trailer where it disconnects, but you still see a lot of rigs like that, particularly here in the West. So he, he was growing the fleet and had drivers and hauling petroleum and up the Columbia River Gorge. Columbia River is like the third biggest river here in the U.S., separates Oregon and Washington. And there was an accident and the truck and trailer rolled down the hill and everything burned up. Gasoline, fire, including the driver. And Dad fell because the rear trailer off track. So he decided to invent a better suspension and did it for his own truck safety. And people liked it. So we were in the manufacturing business. So we started manufacturing in 1936 and everything was just under Silver Eagle Company. And as my older brothers who are 18 and 20 years older than me, came into the business, um, we converted to dry freight because the petroleum business wasn't doing well for us were a lot of pipelines. And then we started making converter dollies, which we're really known for. Nowadays, in 1969, we separated the companies. And so I grew up around lots of innovation.
0: We call, you know, adoption curves. We talk about all yeah. the time at NACFI where you've got the, you know, really, the innovators, the um, early adopters, and then early majority, later majority, and laggards. And you know, there's a there's a there's a key difference, uh, you know, that we keep learning here at NACVI around, um, and me personally, I guess, on on, you know, what motivates innovators, and then the sort of the early business adopters, and so forth. And you know, we're all about trying to just at NACVI, even like when you were talking about the origins of us, you know, how do, how do we get these efficiency things through that adoption curve you know fast fast there are a lot of businesses that have failed because they couldn't get out of the innovation piece and they couldn't get to scale with products i mean um you have a few a few products at silver eagle that have allowed you to to scale it and still be innovative while you're actually selling stuff right i mean that's what's needed to maintain a business
1: yeah i'd say the um the the two big core products are converter dollies um and our military trailer um, as a way to keep keep um, inventing stuff we took on project to m- make a special trailer dedicated to the humvee in 1986 because we had a uh, one of my brother's neighbors had said there was a need for that mm-hmm. because the old trailers for the jeeps were too narrow and the humvee is wide it's seven feet wide and they just flip over and we thought, well, that's about the size of a converter dolly and has axle tires, wheels, brakes, electrical system, and we should be able to tackle that. And people told us it would be patient. And boy, we didn't know it was like the patience of Job. But uh, by 93, they finally came out, on the Tank Automotive Command. Now it's Tank Automotive and Armaments Command in Warren, Michigan. Came out with solicitation for 7,500 and it was supposed to be a commercial off the shelf deal because I don't think we ever would have gotten into it if it was full military specs, but sure enough, full military specs. So we teamed up with a company out of Richardson, Texas. So that was kind of part of knowing what you can do and can't do. And so they were, they were the prime and we were the manufacturer. And this, this factory we're in today is the one we set up for that converted a beer warehouse in like five months and product innovation's hard. It really is because if you're too early, people aren't ready for it and you spend a bunch of money, um, and there's always something to learn, you know. First to market is maybe not always the best position. It's a core um, item
0: that NACFE keeps working on: innovation, the early, early adopters, to early majority. I mean that that, that is such a when, when that goes well, and there's education and, and belief and trust, like you talked about earlier. Um, you know, it's great. And then there's um, obviously many of these are very complex, difficult to understand. Um, customers are confused um and it can it can take a while do you mind if we uh if we get into dollies a bit and uh yeah. you know dub, doubles and triples i um you know part of uh you know from an freight efficiency standpoint that you brought up earlier it's not the miles per gallon but it's how much freight you haul so you know if we have a double 53s in in canada or yeah. even double or triple 28s in the u.s i mean you're hauling a lot of freight um yeah. you know that uh, a lot more freight and the MPG goes down, but the yeah. ton mile per gallons go up, and uh, you know many many wonder why the U.S. seems to be behind much of the world in in hauling you know heavier and longer. And we don't need to get into a huge sort of political d- discussion here, but just walk us through um, sort of I guess how your dollies work to enable that. But then um, sort of what's what's sort of your thinking around. Uh, it, do we have a missed opportunity here with freight efficiency in allowing doubles and triples in more places than they already are?
1: Most trailers are semi-trailers, right? They have a kingpin and you hook it onto the fifth wheel of the tractor. But if you want to put it in a second or third position, you need to convert that trailer or use a full trailer. But most people convert one of their standard trailers by putting a converter dolly on, under the first the second trailer. And then you hitch it onto the first trailer. And if you're going to pull triples, you do the same thing again. You have converted converter dolly that holds up the front of the third trailer and it hooks to a hitch. So the interesting thing is doubles and triples are sometimes called wiggle wagons. And they can because they have a lot of articulation and you can do what's called crack the whip. And they are inherently less stable. But people change their behavior around the vehicles they drive. People drive a minivan differently than they drive a Corvette or a motorcycle. And that's kind of the misunderstanding in all of this, the change of behavior and the net result tends to be if you take um, a standard like 53 footer and get the statistics on it and it's the baseline, you'll find that doubles tend to have about half of the incidents per million miles and triples tend to have about a third. And those rules of thumb have really stuck around. And that's a big part of the missed opportunity because there's a, a lack of understanding. And politically, you know, people are afraid of trucks. When I grew up, uh, the truck drivers were considered the heroes of the road. And of course, maybe I'm biased because I'm from a trucking family, but, you know, they used to stop and help people. And then there were some movies like the, I remember this black and white one, I can't remember the name where the trucks just following the mystery of the truck. You can't see the driver. You know, kind of, yeah. we kind of allowed ourselves to get the bad name and lose the heroes of the highway. And so people are concerned about it. And here in Oregon, um, there was even a campaign by the railroads uh, to try to kill triples because Oregon was the strongest place and the longest place. And if they thought they could kill it here, then they could probably kill it around the nation um, because they, the railroads viewed it as a competitive threat because of the efficiency of it. But anyway, my brother Ross, who was an ATA chairman in the 80s, um, he helped head up the campaign. UPS was a big contributor and we hired public agency. And what we found is once you pointed out to people, which is exactly what we talk about now, is if you allowed more trailers to be pulled by one unit, you would have less pollution, you would burn less fuel, and you would have less congestion. And that's something else people understand because you have one driver making a decision to move like three trailers, right? Or at least double if it's a 53. Same same goes with doubles. Yeah, we got this. There's almost an irony
0: uh, in another phase of this whole topic, and that is autonomy. So, yes. you know, we, we've got this, you know, there's this new fantastic, you know, innovation where we've got a, you know, the idea of a driverless automated tractor trailer uh, following a driven tractor trailer to save the, you know, this, that, and the other. When, ironically, we've had for 50 years, as you mentioned, or more, yeah. the ability to haul two trailers with one tractor. So <laughs> it seems a bit illogical.
1: Well, it is. It's, a, it's an emotional deal. And you mentioned autonomy. I, I look forward to that day just because of commuting. Portland, the traffic's pretty bad. It, of course, it got good during the pandemic, but it's coming back. But you see, I, I'm a manufacturing guy, so I tend to think of flow, and I see these people darting in and out, and then people hit the brakes, and then you get the chain reaction, and you know it's just so ineffective, people making these individual de- decisions. And then sometimes you find yourself passing that person that was ducking in and out, trying to beat everybody. It's um, So the, I, I think autonomous vehicles could tone all that down by being connected. They aren't gonna be texting and distracted by whatever um and i th- i think google did some work my son told me maybe eight years ago or something and thought there was no need for more highways if everybody was interconnected and working autonomously and like la they thought they could take five times the traffic man that's, it, was, yeah. it was some crazy number but even even if it's wrong say it's only two and a half times that's tremendous
0: that is tremendous so we um so, we've been talking for our time here about a lot of innovation that's hitting trucking. You got a new product, a delivery vehicle that you've developed. Tell us about that.
1: Yeah, it's a commercial electric cargo trike. And it's what it can be fully electric or it can be pedal electric. Pedal electric means you got to have some input in the pedals as part of it. And we're modifying a product from Germany, a company called Rydal, who we set up our first license agreement in 2019. And we started playing with e-bikes in 2015. And so it's really a last mile urban thing. And the product can either have uh, modular boxes that come on and off. And like you can just wheel them into buildings, um, has a lift system built into it, or it can be fixed boxes. And we're pretty excited about that. But like we were, we've talked, it's challenging. People don't know quite how to categorize it and make rules that fit for cargo. A bit like the efficiency thing we were talking about with triples um because it needs more power than just a person going and getting their groceries and sometimes there's power limitations and size limitations so it's a challenge but it's a a worthy thing i think yeah yeah but we're also
0: seeing you know robots deliver pizzas um on sidewalks or on streets so that whole final final mile is um Really fascinating, looking forward to to seeing more about that uh, that that uh, bike and where all that goes. That's uh, uh, very exciting that you're in that. You know, you mentioned earlier about how trucking can be very, um, for good reason, very adverse to to changes because we've got you know it's pretty uh, you know slim profit margins and you know the world expects us to get the freight there all the time, and yes. so there's a lot of reasons, but. You know, there's a lot of technology coming, you know, with electrification, hydrogen automation and all of that. And, and I do see a more willingness by the fleets and the manufacturers and and others, and, and, and including just a, a, you know, a, a like a societal um, acceptance of technology. Um, you know, from from your chair, you know, in, in this long history of innovation, how do you think the trucking industry? I mean, are we going to be able to, to to deal with all this technology and do it in a in a good way, or are are we going to crash and burn,
1: or probably somewhere in the middle? <laughs> well, usually things are always somewhere in the middle, right? But it's we have huge challenges ahead, and even you know down to the grid, right? I mean, how are we going to power all this stuff if we're going to go all electric? That part of the discussion isn't covered enough, and I see you starting. To talk that way. And at TMC, we're talking about technicians. You know, I've been in, in shops, um, like a trailer facility, and demonstrating stuff on our T Dolly. And I had some logic backwards. So I asked for a multimeter, and it was crickets. These guys didn't have multimeters in their toolbox. And so, all this electrification and the proper technicians that's going to be a challenge. You know, hopefully with electrical vehicles, we have more reliability. I've been toying with electric vehicles since I was a kid. We used to have an electric golf cart business. So it's funny how all these things start to blend together in your life and your career. And I don't know if you find it or it finds you, however that works. But it's it's going to be challenges. And it's, and it's going to be a bunch of ands instead of one thing or the other, instead of an or And probably out of that, the mix, you know, I read an article from Washington State University and they talked about the minerals required to make batteries currently. And it was something like if they tried to make the storage batteries and use all other forms of energy and get, you know, like with solar and stuff that where you don't get constant through the day, there was only enough material in the world to supply half of Washington State's energy. That was shocking. I
0: I think you're right. And I think... um... I also think I believe that, you know, we're in some of the early stages of this. And so just um, the, the, the different battery chemistries that are coming, yeah. uh, the different uh, uh, solutions that that are emerging that, that are going to really happen fast. And, you know, I, I'm pr- I'm pretty um, excited. And I, I think that um, there's there's a there's a. Uh, you know, there's a, we've turned in the last 10 years with technology and it comes from being scared of it and reluctant to it. And I use technology in a kind of a really almost stupid general sense, but, um, but I think now, you know, we're really, we're really accepting it. And it's, it's become much more, you, know, you use the proverbial cell phone example, right? I just trust it now. You know, I don't need to worry about it being, down or wrong, or I got to, you know, I, Oh, I missed this update or that update. I mean, it just happens. And so I, yeah. I think we trust it more. And with that trust, I think the trucking industry is looking at, it, okay, well, how's this going to, how's this going to help me? Things like over the air programming or other things that maybe we would have looked at and said, Oh boy, I don't know. And that, that, that probably going to be a lot of problems. Now we're looking at it and saying, well, it does this for me and that for me, how can I make it work? And um, I see that a lot.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. And I think things like NACFI have helped that for the industry too, because you kind of say what works, and that starts to lower the risk of trying something new. And the more you have success with that, bit like you talked about your cell phone, we all kind of gotten to where we rely on them. They're less glitchy than they used to be, um, and that's going to happen with with any product. The more you put it out there and get feedback and try, and people figure things out, the reliability is going to go up. I mean, cars, tires. As a kid, we'd go on vacation and you'd get lots of flats and you didn't dare yeah. pass a town where you could get the last flat fixed <laughs>
0: that's right yeah that 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 whole uh, reliability of vehicles and durability of vehicles is just a phenomenal success that we've all contributed to so well gary we always time always flies on these and um but i this has been a lot of fun i mean i
1: yeah
0: congratulations on what 80 years in the trucking industry you and your family and, and all which you brought uh, yeah and um and then uh, you know, and this discussion around innovation and technology has been really, really good. Um, any, any last quick advice for all of us out there trying to you know move products from innovation to adoption?
1: Well, uh, Amory Levins gave me a great line. We got to, he worked at our table, which he didn't work with every table, so I felt kind of honored on that. But his approach at RMI was only do the things that make economic sense. If you're only doing it for green or goodness, it's hard to justify. But if you make it good economics, then it's easy to justify. And then you start to throw in, can I believe in it and reliability? And it's a no brainer. So if we try to focus on the things that make economic sense and don't don't waste our energy on things that just have other factors that you've got to work on, I think we'll be much more successful.
0: Very good. Well, thanks a lot, Gary. I appreciate you being with us and um, best to you.
1: It's always good, Mike. I look forward to seeing you. Freight Efficiency with NACFE's Mike Roth and Friends.